Hey, what's up, everybody? This is the Follow You Anywhere podcast, and this is episode 57. Cam, I thought it was 57, but I was just making sure because I hadn't looked at the list, and they're all starting to run together. You know, we, we made it past that 52 milestone, and we're just on the ground running now. Yeah. 57. That's a lot of topics. Yeah. That's a lot of time. Yeah. 57 hours. Longer, probably. Yeah. 57 hours, that's over two days worth of podcasts. Like if you didn't do anything else but listen to our podcast don't, for two don't, days. Don't do yeah, that. don't do that. You'll, that, that your that's mind a marathon right there. Yeah. That's like a, a, a binge listening. That sounds terrible. A bo- I don't I would follow wanna, you anywhere binge podcast. I wouldn't want to listen to our podcast for two days straight. <laughs> I'd get so tired of hearing us. I know. We have to be mute to each other for like the next week. <laughs> we're like waving at each other. Yeah, don't say anything. Podcast hiatus. Yeah. So today we're talking about following God through what? The church. What about the church? Looking at uh, what the what the right or wrong or indifferent model of the church ah, is. Ah, yeah, yeah. Church structure, church environment, uh, church culture. So uh, let's talk about it. What inspired this topic? Let's start there. Well, I think we've talked about it a little bit on episodes past and um, wanting to kind of explore that a little bit more. And, um, you know, being able to being able to look at churches in our area, churches around the country, churches around the globe, and um, you know, there's a lot of talk, especially uh, especially with um, young Christians, younger Christians, and um, people that are really taking a, a deep dive and exploring um, their faith and what what following Christ looks like for them, and asking the question: um, Is church this way? the right way or Mm -hmm. is this the right model or what does this mean and you see a lot of people um you know we've talked about in the past but that's that's why a lot of churches get started because they don't agree with the way something's done or they have a different viewpoint or whatever it may be and they just start their own church so you have all these churches that are starting and uh some other churches are started out of great just need and um and you know church planning and stuff like that, but a lot of division happens from people just not agreeing on certain things, and you even see churches starting to be formed. It's not a new thing, but things like house churches mm-hmm. and people like Francis Chan, who I, I love Francis Chan as a speaker. I think he's, I think he's a great presenter of the gospel, um, and. Uh, from you know, from the sermons and stuff that I've seen of his and books and stuff, but even one of, one of those things from from his perspective was he was a megachurch pastor mm-hmm. and felt convicted of of the way that they were doing things, and not that people weren't coming to know Christ and those types of things, but he didn't feel like the discipleship model was really being established and done well Mm -hmm. and so he stepped away he felt convicted stepped away as the the leader of that church and um 
spent some time just serving in foreign countries and just loving on people and doing ministry with his family, and then started um, a, a house church where it was intentionally smaller, intentionally focused on the community, and began to build, you know, kind of a discipleship program. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that he is against big church, but I think that he wants there to be um, some very hard questions asked and some, you know, some heart checks and things like that. And yeah. so you, you see a lot of uh, you see a lot of things like that. And then of course you see um, part of it comes because a mega church a lot of times has more attention and more scrutiny um, because of their position in the public eye mm-hmm. than you know your tiny First Baptist Church back in the woods somewhere. Mm-hmm. But um, you also see mega churches coming under fire and being asked a lot of questions and. You know, in mega churches, that typically means mega money moving around and operating. You know, in different different organizational styles and stuff like that. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes it just means mega expenses. Yeah, that's true. But money's moving somewhere. Yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, and so it just raises the question. You know, and it's and it's a tough one to ask because we're both leaders at a church that's mm-hmm. pretty decent size yep. growing and seeing God move and do great things. So I'm definitely not against the church model, but asking the question, is this the right way? Or how do you answer that? Or is it different for every season, every situation? Um, because I, I also know that there's a lot of loony home churches out there. Oh, yeah. Lots of them. Yeah, the, and and I know we had already talked about talking on this topic before I saw this, but I got a notification last night, and it really fired me up um, because somebody posted, and this is not somebody that's a member here, but a member did comment, and the comment was like, really? Come on, what, what are we doing? But the post says this. It was in the Nextdoor app. It says, searching without success so far, for a Southern Baptist church that uses hymnals and sings traditional hymns, these praise choruses, in quotes, lack the depth and message of the gospel. Are there any in Pace or Milton? And one of our members commented and said, good luck finding that. We are also in search of just what you were talking about. I will be following this. Now, keep in mind, this is not like an active member that you know, has been actively involved recently, but it's like, you see that and you're like, okay, one, what the crap? And then two, where do these convictions come from? Like, whether it's a conviction that the Western model church is not the right way, or the songs are not the right way, or the culture is is not the right culture or the right fit. Like, it's one thing to have preferences. It's another to have convictions that you would consider to be spiritual convictions. How do you have spiritual convictions that don't have any biblical basis? That That's my question. 
Because somebody that they look up to or respect somewhere along the road said that this was the right way to do it. Or it's that big old P word. Preference. Preference. Yeah. But it's one thing to say, okay, this is mm. what I'm looking for. Preference over prospect. It's, <laughs> it's another thing to say, I'm going to leave what I'm currently involved in, where I'm actively serving, where God has placed me to go somewhere else because of this issue. So, you know, going back to Francis Chan. Okay, I'm going to leave where I currently am because this model is not right. And, I mean, dude's a smart theological scholar, like mm-hmm. a, a student of the gospel, you know, a famous minister of Christ, uh, a world... Renowned preacher. Yeah. But he comes to this conclusion, how? Because, like, I'm I'm studying the life and ministry of Jesus, right? And I'm thinking about what Jesus did. The, the perfect Son of God, God in the flesh, his ministry. What did his ministry consist of? Well, he had a close circle. Yeah. And then he had an even closer circle. Mm-hmm. He had his 12, and he had... You know, Peter, James, and John. Mm-hmm. Um, is that right? Peter, James, and John? Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's right. Yeah, okay. I thought it was. But then I, for whatever reason, I second-guessed myself when I said those names. I was like, wait a second. Yeah, that's right. But anyway, he had this close circle. Then he had his 12. But then what did he do? He preached to the crowds. Yeah. So that's Jesus. Then what about the disciples? Well, what happened at Pentecost? 3,000 got saved. How'd 3,000 get saved? Because at least 3,000 were there to hear the gospel. Yeah. And so there is both in the Bible examples of churches that are meeting in houses, but there's also examples of corporate worship taking place or messages being preached and, and people responding to messages in large capacities in large crowds. Jesus did both. The disciples did both. The early church consisted of both. So if by mega church model you mean the only interaction with the gospel people get is one Sunday each week, you got a preacher, he stands up and he preaches. Everybody comes, they worship, they hear the sermon, they leave, and nobody has any other interaction with any of the other members, then yeah, I think that's unbiblical. But that's not the Western model of the church. The Western model of the church is having a large group that worships corporately together and then having smaller groups that meet on Sunday morning, that meet throughout the week, relationships that are built within the church of church members that do life with one another and then they gather together and worship corporately. Yeah. And I think even in most of your mega churches now I would argue that the culture not of the church but of the people that make up the church at times 
is unbiblical, but that's not because of the way the church is structured. That's because of the way people respond. Like, if if you've got a church that's got a good preacher and people would rather sit at home in their pajamas and watch him every Sunday and never do life with anybody else, and and that's that's what they consider to be their their church involvement and their kingdom investment, then yeah, I don't think that's biblical. But I don't think that's how those churches are designed. Like they're not designed to do that. Yeah. Like that that's not that's not their goal. Right. Now well, I, I would argue though that there are and I think we talked about this whenever um you know COVID first became a big issue and people started opening up online campuses. Yeah. I think there are some implications there that maybe are unhealthy, but that's not, I wouldn't consider that to be the Western church model. I would consider that to be primarily a response to the challenges that COVID brought. And maybe for me personally, I struggle with how healthy of a response that was because Okay, I get it for a season while we can't meet and while we can't gather, but to have indefinitely a, a message that, and, and again, this is just my interpretation of it. Maybe this was not the heart behind it, but to me, when somebody says, I'm launching another campus, that is another place to gather in the past that has always been considered a different location, but equally um, as as valuable or relevant or as much a part of the gathering of the main location when they meet. Yeah. Now, I think if you say that you're opening up an online campus, it implies that the people meeting online are are just as active and involved yeah. in a in a part of the church as the people gathering physically on the main campus because you're just it's another campus it's another place to meet yeah I struggle with that because that's t- but to me that's not Western church culture that's that's taking it to another level that that isn't biblical but and then you come back and you say well. In the Bible, they didn't have online technology. Well, obviously. Yeah. But is that really doing life together? That's yeah. where, to me, it starts to get kind of shaky. I've only seen one church, and I'm sure there's other churches out there that are doing it, potentially, because um, I wouldn't ever just say that there's only one, you know. But I think that they've done it the best, at least that I've seen. And it's Elevation. Mm-hmm. Elevation has you know, their their campuses, and then yeah. they have the eFam, their online fam. And the thing is, is like I don't know if you've ever tried this, but like you can't go watch an Elevation service online, like right now. Yeah, they're not there. It's just the message. Just the message. But you can't go be a part of their service. You can go watch if you if you wanted to. You could go watch our entire service if you want to go watch. You know. Bethel's entire service. If you want to go watch, you know, Broadmoor's, you know, like there's, if you want to go watch Olives, like there's churches, you can watch their entire service. You can be a part of their entire service at almost any given point in time. 
I could pull up right now and, you know, watch all of it. Yeah. And that allows you to just kind of just drop in, drop out, do whatever you want. Elevation, you can't do that. Now, there are some online campuses that have been created where you can, excuse me, only log in on Sunday mornings at the time of service, and that's it, you know, that type of thing. So there are ways to help, you know, that. But like I said, Elevation has made it where you, like, I don't even know if you can watch it alone. You attend watch, they have watch parties where you have to gather with other people to watch it and participate, you know, in that. And so I think they do a really good job of that. But I don't think that that's the norm. You know, they've put a lot of money, a lot of resources, and a lot of effort into... I mean, they have full-time pastors focusing on reaching those online communities. Mm -hmm. Because for them, that's a huge part. But they were doing that before COVID. Like, that was part of their outreach and part of, you know, how they were growing. But they've also done some really cool things, too. I've never experienced, but I've been told about it. And where, um, you know, the all of their campuses are also synced with the main campus. Mm-hmm. And so they have a, a live campus pastor, but the message comes from their main campus. It's piped in. And they have a live band. But I don't know if they do this every Sunday, but it's really cool. They play, I think they play all the same songs, but they may be in different keys. But they play one song in the same key. And the lead vocalist from the main campus comes over the screen and leads in real time at their campus, but also at all the extension campuses while the extension campus band is playing the song. They're all in perfect time. And it's like you're there. And then the way that they have it set up, they have like crowd shots and stuff Mm -hmm. to make you feel like you're in that same room, at least during that one song. And that's wild. Yeah. I mean, that's that's taking it to a different level. Yeah. Like, that's pretty crazy. Um, Their budget's also at a different level. Too. Oh, yeah. But I'm just saying. <laughs> so there are some ways, you know, yeah. to do that and to be more intentional. Right. But I was reading about it. Francis Chan said that he felt convicted because his main conviction was so they were they were running like four or five thousand people. Mm-hmm. And his conviction was a couple things. One he felt like the Bible, and 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 I believe that we've we've interpreted this the same way, but we do it in a slightly different model. Mm-hmm. He believed that the Bible was very clear that we're all supposed to be mouthpieces of the gospel, sure. hands and feet. Yep. And he felt convicted that everyone was showing up to see him be the hands and feet. Yeah. And just be a taker, you know, just gobble it up, take what he has to say swallow it, and go back into your real world. Mm-hmm. Maybe spending 30 or 40 seconds with people gathered around you in the lobby saying hello, a couple shallow conversations here and there, go see the preacher out the door. And I'm sure their church had other op- opportunities, Sunday school classes, mm-hmm. life group, whatever you want to call them, small groups. I'm sure that they had those opportunities. But he felt like the bulk of the people were coming watching him be that mouthpiece and then leave when he wanted them to be that mouthpiece. He wanted them to to be the ones that were... And we do that through life group teachers, through D groups and things yeah. like that. But you have to really push that. But anyway, but so he, he felt convicted there. 
And then he also felt convicted, like we talked about, on the financial side. Mm-hmm. It cost millions of dollars to run a church of that size. Yeah. And was just like, we're wasting resources because people can be doing this without coming to, you know, basically see me or whatever. So they left and... um you know, I, I think that there's a couple different ways. I think that there's, and it's hard to judge, so I think that there's definitely a season where the right call is to just remove, just to, you know, pull away from the equation. And then there's also a season to try to lead and change yeah. the model. Yeah. And I, I would just have to trust that in his conviction and in his conversations and following God, it was better for him to just yeah. remove himself from the equation at that point in time. So now they've started this house church movement and the house church um, runs like 15 to 20 people mm-hmm. per house. And they have uh, what I would assume is a husband and a wife as the, the like the leaders of it, the mm-hmm. pastors of it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that. It says that they have two pastors per house. So it, it could be, you know, I, I don't know that model. Um, but, and then they're all doing it for free. So every week they're basically having um, a medium-sized D group uh-huh. that gathers. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure they talk about what they're speaking on and those types of things. So they now have several hundred people involved in this house church, but it's like 10 to 15 different houses. Yeah. Um, and, and it's all for free and they're all getting to share their gifts of being the mouthpiece and the hands and feet. And, um, so I think that there, that goes to show that, you know, there's, there's, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Yeah, there is, you know, um, but, uh, but there are people that are like, oh no, this is the right way, or yeah. this is the wrong way. And, and we're not we're not here to judge Francis Chan. I mean, he's got to do what he's convicted to do. Yeah, uh, just trying to understand. But I also don't think that he would say, like, I don't see him saying what we're doing is wrong. Like, and that's where you've got to draw the line. Is you can have your personal convictions, but if they're not biblically based like if there if there are principles that you've interpreted to be a certain way and so you think that's what God's leading you to do that's one thing but for him to to stand up and say hey this is the right way to do it and everybody else that's doing the western style is sinning against God that's that's a whole nother different yeah and he hasn't done that and and he and and he's not going to do that right right and i think that's where people get in trouble is when they get this idea that if you only sing him yeah the the way that they feel like it should be done is the only holy way to do it right and and everything else is sinful yeah that's that's very dangerous but you know for for me from my perspective on those two areas that he has concerns with, I mean, I would come back, and again, this is not to judge him. This is just me thinking through it and processing it as a pastor myself. You know, and, and you kind of alluded to this a little bit, but on the the first side of it, like we're constantly challenging our people to be the hands and feet of Christ, yeah, and not just to come and you know be entertained or or watch us serve. 
but instead to serve themselves, use their gifts and skills and talents and resources to further the gospel and to grow the kingdom and, and all of those things. And and from my perspective, I would argue that's that's part of what it means to be an under-shepherd. Like, you've got to challenge your people yeah. to do that. I and, just think that, I think that um, it's going to just become harder and harder for us yep. to continue to do that. Mm-hmm. Not the challenging part, but to actually see it come to fruition. Yeah. As the church gets larger and larger, because it's easier for people to get lost in the crowd, yeah, and just slip in, slip out. And I think that that's he said his biggest thing was he didn't want himself or them to become comfortable, right? And and I think that that's that's the conviction of it is I'm enabling these people just to be comfortable and not to live in the fullness of what God's called them to. Yeah, and I and I understand. Which I mean, like you said, we can we can not do the other model and and still get people to participate in d groups in life groups and continue to be the hands and feet serving and those types of things no matter how big the church is however it just becomes a whole new you have to have not necessarily the same resources and same plan and same model as a church like elevation but you have to start taking the steps that people like them have taken to reach those people and to make it that big of a point and, you know, those types of things. Yeah, but then you think about what's happened, right? So did that really solve the problem? I would argue that it didn't because if he was running 4,000 and now he's got 400, where did the 3,600 go? Oh, he moved, like, no, it's a different city altogether. Like, he's in a different place. But what I'm saying is if that's the amount of influence that he's having now, yeah, where he was influencing 4,000 and maybe 2,000 of them were actually doing something, yeah, and the other 2,000, or maybe it was 3,000 and one, th- but you understand yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. As long as you had at least 500 of your 4,000 that were actively engaged, then your level of influence was actually greater with 4,000 than it is with the 300. And, well, and except for except for their model is completely free. Right. They don't tie, like, as far as, like, contributing to salaries and... No, I get that. Know, so... But what I'm saying is, now looking at the financial side, what happened to the 4,000? I mean, the church is still there. Exactly. Yeah. So but it doesn't it doesn't but, change anything. Well, no, but but that's what I'm saying. From, I think that there were people that left that church mm-hmm. upon that as well. But I think that that's part of us just having to trust that in that season it was better for him just for to him personally. Yes, which but but God's also going to guide and shepherd and take care of that church as right. well. Yep. So for him, it was best to pull out of that situation. And therefore, God was going to handle, you know, the security and well-being of those people in that church to whatever that looked like. Mm-hmm. So I think you just kind of have to trust that that it was the right call, you know. Yeah. And I have no idea what that church is doing or how it's done or whatever. Um, this was also in 2010, and it wasn't until like. 2017, I think, that he actually came out and said why he left. Like, right. You know, and then on the, like the publicly fin- at least, you know, the financial side, um, you think about 
what it costs, like you said, to run a church with 4,000 people, millions of dollars, all that. But what, if you look at every church's budget, the typical church is going to have over 50% to personnel. Yeah. And the reality is ministry um, is not going to be as effective or impactful on a large level if you don't have people that are being paid full-time to do the ministry because if they're not being paid to do the ministry, they've got to have a full-time job. And if they have a full-time job, that's 40-plus hours less per week they have to do ministry. Yeah. And so, like, there's a there's a give and a take. Yeah. There's a balance there, right? Because if you've got, you know, on a, a church of 4,000, say you've got a staff of... 100 people that's taking a good 50 to 60 percent of that budget well that's 100 people that are putting in 40 plus hours per week doing ministry that you lose when you go to the house church model because then everybody's got a normal you know day job and they've got a mission field there sure but they're not able to fully invest in ministry because They've got work to do yeah, because it, they've it got com- a job. It completely just changes the model of right. ministry because yep. the idea for that is you're growing deeper spiritually in a more personal level with a smaller group of people and more family style. Mm-hmm. And then you're being the hands and feet in your everyday life because yeah. of how you're developing and growing spiritually so that's kind of overflowing in your day-to-day um and that kind of ripple effects Uh, but you definitely don't have the same resources and opportunity you know like you're talking about to have people that are dedicated to spending five days a week six days a week focused on the next mission project or the next outreach or or you know all these different things and how to reach those other people in big moments and big events and big resources as far as like the food pantry or um, like vacation Bible school or um, just getting out and doing a community service, like those types of things. Or the amount of time it takes to help people walk through the trials and tribulations that they're going through Yeah, to help people work through, um, you know, financial tragedy or, um, marriages that are falling apart, like you can't get into those in-depth conversations in the workplace, yeah, because you got work to do. I mean, I guess you could do it after work at dinner, and, yeah. But then I think you that start that's what that model is designed for is, for but then you start patterns. running out of time for your own family. Yeah, uh, I mean it's it's a it's a slippery slope. Yeah, for sure. And and again, that's not to say that one's right and one's wrong. But it's just to illustrate the fact that, like you said, there's more than one way to skin a cat. But really to emphasize, okay, anytime you start thinking about these complex models and systems and ways of doing things, like there's always arguments on both sides. That's why there's so many different opinions about what right looks like. Yeah which is also why it's so inappropriate to be dogmatic on any of these things. 
you know, going back to what we were talking about with that post, same thing, you know. Yeah. These these praise choruses, you know, I need I need music that's a little bit more gospel focused. And are there praise choruses that are shallow? Absolutely. Are there hymns? Are there hymns that are shallow? Yeah. But are there praise choruses that are, I mean, some of the richest gospel message songs that we sing? Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's some where it's like you're literally singing the full gospel through the song. Um, And then there are hymns where it's like you're singing stuff and you're like, is this? Is this even English? You know, uh, now there's some that are very rich and doctrinally sound, but it's a style, that's a preference. You know, the uh, the culture of a church, like the feel. You know, what is I, I want? I want a church that that feels a certain way. What, what? Where's the biblical grounds for that? Yeah. And again, it's one thing to say. Hey, I'm looking for more of a house model church, and I feel like that's what, you know, that's what God has called me to serve in. That's one thing. Or I feel like, you know, I, I am, I, I am uh, passionate about the old Baptist hymns. That's, yeah. that's one thing. It's okay to have a preference um, right. and want to be a part of that preference. Right. But it's it's a totally different thing to feel like you need to lead where God has leave where God has put you, where you're actively involved, to go find something that you like better. Yeah. Like we've never been called to to look for what we want. Yeah. We've been called to serve where God puts us. Yeah. And and so that's to me, that's much more concerning whenever whenever I think about today's church is not having preferences. There's always been preferences. Right. Not having convictions. There's always been convictions. But it's like this I don't know, it's like, like this mentality that I've got to have everything the way that I want it. And if it's not the way that I want it then it's not right. Yeah. And it's not just that it's not right. Now it's almost become it's it's not biblical. And if it's not the way that I think it should be done, it's sinful. And then it's not just a personal conviction where it's sinful for me. Now it's it's gone to the uh the the level to where I mean people are literally judging other churches yeah. because they're doing it a different way and those churches are no longer churches that honor God because yeah. it's sinful to have a, a certain number of people going to your church. Yeah. It's sinful to have a certain musical style. It's sinful to have uh, a particular um you know light toward dynamic of of worship on the stage it's sinful to use projectors or powerpoint versus using the 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 hymnal you know it's sinful to have a pulpit that's not a wooden pulpit i talked about some of that stuff on sunday just the stupid stuff people you know argue over in churches but it's like okay preferences are one thing 
But to say that a, a certain style <laughs> or structure or government or um, mission or vision or strategy is sinful because it's not what what you think is the best model or method or style that's that's concerning yeah yeah well like uh, i said it kind of as a joke earlier but it's true there are people that would rather have their preference over prosperity in the sense of the gospel prospering Mm. and seeing a church that is thriving and seeing a church that is reaching people where we'd rather say well I just would rather have it this way because this is the way I like it rather than saying whatever God is using, whatever God wants to happen is where I want to be, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's a sad reality that that's like we're fleshly, selfish people. And so we have to fight those temptations, but that, that's the reality that people live in that I would rather have this because it's what I want or it's be what makes me comfortable rather than what God is doing. Yeah. And that's, that's sad. I mean, that, that's tough. And you know, you've mentioned it on Sunday, but it's true. I mean, there are plenty of things that we do. I say plenty. I mean, it's not a huge list, but there are plenty of things that we do as a church that I'm like, eh, you know, it's not, what I would choose to do, like, as a whole, mm-hmm. you know. Um, there are some songs that we sing that I'm like, eh, you know, it's okay. I probably wouldn't, like, always run to do that one, but it's stuff that our church likes. It's something that, you know, we want to still tie in and connect. And, um, you know, like, they're just... Things like that, that yeah. are are things that, you know, like I said, I would do differently. But it doesn't mean that they're wrong, you know. Um, and so I don't know. It's it's definitely interesting to look at the culture and to go, what way is the right way, mm-hmm. you know. And, um, and, and I think that if you look at it and you can agree to disagree or you can come to the conclusion that there's more than one right way, and like you said, that it's not all sinful or biblical to do it differently. Yeah. Now, there are some cases where it's like, hey, this is not right. Right. Let's not do that. But um, in most cases, it's just a preference thing. Yeah. And if you can, and if you can see that, I think, um, I think it makes that question a lot easier to answer. And you just got to keep reminding yourself. You know, you just got to keep reminding yourself, Cam. Can't always get what you want. I saw today at the reception. You know what song this is? You don't know what song this is? Is it what I just said? Is it? I'm giving you a hard time. This is way before your time, Cam. Because I, I know it is, because it's before mine. I just said it. I know, but you. You 
You get what you need. Yeah, I was giving you a hard time because you seemed uh, a little, a little uh, unconfident about your answer. I knew this was a song, <laughs> but I like have heard a much like bigger version. Yeah, yeah, that is. Uh, but I, I, I mean, I, I know most of the songs that you throw at me. Yeah. Um, but one of the reasons why I know that one so well is because it used to be like the opener for your worship service. Yeah. Oh no, it was like the <laughs> Office Depot commercial. Like that was their thing. Oh really? It was some. It was some business that had a TV commercial that had that as their, you get what you need. Oh, okay. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got type you. Type of thing. And it used to come on the TV all the time. So people, you know, you'd hear it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it was. Um, yeah, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of different ways to, to look at things. It's true in life, but it's also true in the church. And we just got to be careful not to be too firm in convictions that aren't clearly black and white in God's Word. And when it comes to style, preference, and culture, those things are constantly changing because we're in a world that's changing now. We worship a God who never changes, right? He always has been, he is, and always will be God. But the methods in which we use to reach people with the unchanging mess- message, what are you doing? Well, one of them was a Coke commercial. Oh, okay. I was like, what are you doing over there? Uh, they're constantly changing. And even the the structure... I, of the church. I mean, you can't compromise the biblical aspects of what church looks like, but the different elements of the church and and how the church is designed and the way we accomplish the mission of the church. That even changes. Like if you look at the past 30 years and and I know we're uh we're running out of time t- today, but if you just look at the history of the church and kind of the ebbs and flows of, you know, what a healthy church looked like and, you know, the small community of believers and then, you know, a, a more of a midsize and then the whole, if you build it, they will come, the mega church mentality. And then now back down to um, a small community of believers or even house churches, like there's even in the culture of the, the church and the history of the church, there have been all sorts of different ways that the church has been effective over the years. And the churches that are the most effective are the ones that, you know, stand firm in those biblical convictions and God blesses and the Holy Spirit and move, moves and works through the congregation. Um, but they're not, they're not fussing and fighting over things that don't matter. Yeah. They're doing their thing the way God calls them to do it, and God blesses that. Mm-hmm. I think you're seeing that with Francis Chan. You know, I think uh, it, it wasn't about him doing what he wanted. It was about him doing what he felt like the Lord was leading him to do. And he had reasons for what he believed was was an issue and yeah. how God was calling him to correct that issue 
at least in his context, for, for his ministry. Mm-hmm. And he followed the lead of the Lord. And there have been others that have done that too. You know, maybe not the same exact situation, but, man, there have been pastors of large churches that stepped down and went to serve in the convention or went and served on the mission field overseas. Like, I mean, God calls us to do different things at different seasons, but we just got to be careful about getting to the point where we cross that line and we say, oh, God's calling me to do it differently, and so it must be wrong for everybody else to do it this other way. Yeah. Yeah, that's what you got to guard yourself against. But All right, that's episode 57. Back next week with episode 58. You know what we're talking about? I will keep it a surprise. Yeah, it's because neither one of us know. We'll no, figure we it know. out. We know. We, okay. gotta, we just got to decide right. on yeah. the specifics. The specifics. Yeah. All right. So we'll keep them hanging. Cliffhanger. Specifically speaking. We'll tell you next week that's what right. we're talking about. 58 All right. next week. Yeah, that's that's 57. Uh, we'll be back next week with episode 58. Let's follow you anywhere. They can't see the peace sign. Deuces. Peace. See ya.